Views expressed on this program are those of the sponsors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the station. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research Incorporated, a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment Advisor Representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Indices mentioned are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Asset allocation and diversification strategies cannot assure profit or protect against loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Capital Retirement Strategies and Cambridge Investment Research are not affiliated. Welcome to Plan for Life Now, the podcast. First episode of 2017. Wow. Welcome. Another year, including the radio show. Mm-hmm. We've always got to include in- the radio show Including history. the radio show A, which would be BS. Ha! Huh. This is interesting. It has two meetings. One is BS. The other is before Steve. <laughs> that would be circa 2001. So for me, this would be of business broadcasting radio. This would be the 16th year. Wow. Now, with Steve, not before or after Steve, AS, that would be, when did you start doing the radio show with me? We always try to nail this down. I think it's 2008. I I think it's 2008, but I wasn't sure if it was late 2007. Not sure. Whatever. But that's also eight or nine years. The years go by fast. Mm -hmm. That's why you got to plan for your retirement. (laughs) You got to plan for life now. Don't wait and do it later. That's why we call it plan for life now, not plan for life when you get to it. Plan for after life after the eventually gym and yeah. other New Year's resolutions, <laughs> and then at some point, plan for life. That would right. be an extremely long website, right? But I guarantee we could get the domain name cheap, <laughs> uh, as opposed to plan for life, where we can't get the domain right. domain name for less than thirty thousand wow. dollars. Now we should have bought plan for life when they offered for ten thousand. I know. And the guy even this time sent me an article justifying why a good domain name is worth big money. Hmm. And I was like, you know what? Not that attached to planforlife.com. Right. Plan for Life Now works just fine. So it's another year. Well, it's, hold on. Uh, we we got to wrap up the Redskins season. We do. Hey, I think because I won this year because we stopped doing predictions. You certainly right won. <laughs> we could go back and try to say what we would have picked for the various games, but not... You won, definitely came out ahead. For that, you get nothing. Right. You won. I think you've won most years, though, we've done this. I think if we were keeping track, I think I've got more yeah. wins than you. But we're not keeping track. But Redskins finish out. Have to call it a little bit of a disappointing season. We're sitting here January 3rd. Uh, you went to the game, right? I did go to that Giants-Redskins Ooh. game. It was a... Uh... It was really a bad atmosphere. A lot of Giants fans there. That's part of FedEx when you play the Giants and the Cowboys especially, and a little bit the Eagles. You have a lot of the opposing fans, and it was weird. Um, And they just looked flat. But whatever. We'll move on. Okay. I I can't worry about that right now. Right. Plenty of other things to worry about. But we're going to kick off the new year, this first episode of the podcast, with really just a phenomenal hit it out of the park. Wait, there it is. You hear it? Oh, gosh. I mean, this is just set up on a T for it. It is. It's the music that tells our regular listeners, 
no prep by David Steve once again using right. Barry Ritholtz. Right. I mean, this is you know always when people say, "Hey, why don't you guys write more articles or you know do do things like that?" I just point to this guy and say, "Hey, he does it so well. Why would I try to do that? He does this phenomenally well." So uh, the title of the article, this was uh, over the weekend, so December 30th, in the Washington Post. As we always talk about, Barry Ritholtz is a syndicated columnist, so I'm sure you can read his stuff all over the place. But in the Post over the weekend, and the article was titled, What History Tells Us About Your Investments in 2017? Now, obviously, the first and biggest and on the front of most people's minds is the presidential election and yes. investment results. Right. And if you scroll down a little bit, you can see we did a podcast all about this. Well, I know we did one before the election. We also did a couple of them after the election that talks about the history of Democrats in the White House, Republicans right. in the White House, and back and forth. We've talked about this ad nauseum. Right. But as usual, Barry pulls out some really good examples here that talk about how random investment returns are and trying to correlate them with a particular president and why there's a problem with that. And he goes way back here, way back talking to 1885. Wow. You know, remember who was president in 1885? Dave? Um, it's not Ulysses S. Grant. He was after that. I'm going to go somewhere in the, Somewhere in the uh, Harrison. No, he was before. Ooh, Grover Henry. Cleveland. Oh, Grover Cleveland. There you go. Wow. Were you going with William Henry Harrison for a minute? I'm not exactly an expert the, the at that guy, time frame. The guy who was president for 30 days? Oh, he's the guy who died. Probably, yeah, after his super long inauguration speech. Right, and he, and he got, got pneumonia, pneumonia or something. And back then they couldn't deal with it. But okay, right. Grover Cleveland. That's a very... Tough right. age for remembering presents. So he's going with his first term, the stock market increased by 53%. Right, The good Cleveland job. bump, they called good it. Jo- good job. No, they did not. <laughs> um, good job, Grover Cleveland. During his second term, stocks fell by 2%. Right? Okay. His point here is, did Grover Cleveland forget how to make stocks go up? Did he forget how to stimulate the economy? No, there, there are larger forces at work here that it's not all about who is the president. So, you know, as he says, presidents get too much credit when things go well, too much blame when things don't. So, you know, I, I don't think you can sit here and say, well, I love President-elect Trump. I hate President-elect Trump. Therefore, I'm going to do X. Right? We That's- sure don't plan on it that way. We no- never look at it that way. We... Uh, had to defend or at least try to encourage people to say, don't look at Obama. You might not like President Obama, mm-hmm. but you know, don't make your stock picks and your investment decisions based on that. And I would say the same thing about Trump, maybe for many of our listeners, the opposite way. Just because things are starting out well now is not a guarantee. Things will even be good through the rest of this year, let alone the right. entire term. Well, and on that note, uh, he moves on to talk about the beginning of this year, 
right? or I should say beginning of last year. Gosh, I'm still adjusting here to 2017, mm-hmm. the beginning of 2016. And I know for a lot of us, this feels like it was a hundred years ago because you know, election and all this stuff. But if you remember, the beginning of 2016 was the worst first month of a stock market in history. So during the first 28 days, the stock market fell 10.5%. And it's hard to even remember exactly why, but right. you know he lists in here imminent China collapse, uh, earnings recession, election uncertainty, or the bull market's just a little long in the tooth. Right. right? I think the catalyst of that one, as I recall, was the Chinese bubble. Yeah, I believe I- was the catalyst of it. I think China and I think earnings concern and all that. And then we ended up the year with the S&P 500 basically up 10%. Um, You know, if you look at small cap stocks, up 45% from that time. So if you had grabbed onto that in January, February and said, you know what, I really believe in this China decline or this whatever I'm going to sell. Right. Wow, that's a huge amount to miss out on. Right. Not to mention, I believe, I'm trying to remember what year it was, but we've certainly had clients tell us, ask us in the past why they were even in small cap mm-hmm. when large cap was doing so well. Right. The biggies are doing well. Big American companies doing well. Why, you know, why are we so diversified? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're I mean, diversified or you're not. Why are we so diversified? Yeah, I mean, diversification is this basic idea that you've spread out your assets across different asset classes. But it it almost, by default, means you're going to have some assets that are in the big winners. Hey, how did emerging markets do? Speaking of... Emerging markets wound wound up up for the year. That's another great example. I think they were up, I was just looking at this, 8.5%, maybe 9% on the year. So all you people at the beginning of the year who said, you know what, maybe I should sell my emerging. Why do I have emerging markets? They stink. Right. They're not American <laughs> and they're down. Yep. It's a double whammy. That's why. Because, you know, <laughs> they were down for a while and hey, maybe hopefully they have another good year this year, but they certainly had a good year last year. Right. So what about this issue of valuations? Right. So valuations basically mean how much is a company earning? And when you're talking about relative to their stock price. And when you're talking about the stock market in general, you're looking at the earnings of all the companies out there relative to the price people are willing to pay. Right. So I think about it in terms of, let's say that somebody's earning a salary of $100,000 a year. Right. If they were at a valuation of 10, you'd pay a million dollars to buy that person's income. Right. Now, you can't buy people's income, but you get the idea. Right. For a company, if they had earnings and you were willing to pay 10 times earnings. So we can look at historically where earnings relative to prices of companies have been. And the most obvious example that you can point to is the tech bubble in the late 90s, early 2000s, where valuations got way out of control. Right. And if you guys remember all of this, this was back when people were saying, well, the internet's changing everything and the internet has changed everything, but we didn't really know how it was changing everything. It was basically companies just decided that the internet were ready to go in 2000 to buy all our stuff on the internet. It's a lot different now with Amazon.com and everything else in the year 2017, 
But 17 years ago, not quite ready for that immediate switch. Right. That's my opinion of the tech bu- bubble. And Well, yeah. And I mean, you know, the basics of it were people thought that everything that had anything, every, anything. to do with the internet Remember would be Remember Dr. Good. C. Everett Koop? That Surgeon General, I forgot what his was, but maybe it was going to solve all your medical problems because his name was on it. I, re- I just remember the Pets.com. You know, Pets.com, they had a really cool stock or a yeah. really cool uh, mascot. Right. Remember They're they used to fantastic. advertise those companies in the Super Bowls back oh then? God, they yeah. spent millions and it seemed like a, like a no-brainer. Right. So, okay. So without diving into this PE ratio stuff and earnings and blah, 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 all this stuff, you can look at these very detailed ways of calculating, you know, and they call it the cyclically adjusted CAPE PE ratio. And for, you know, those of you who are really into that stuff, you can read all about it. But you can look at earnings and you could definitely say, you know what? The market's a little bit overvalued. But you could have said that a lot of the time in the past couple of decades, right? And if you had have simply said, you know what? The stock market's overvalued and you got out of U.S. equities. This is basically since 1990. Let's see here. Since 1990, the stocks have been overvalued 307 out of 324 months. Right? Right. That's a lot. <laughs> that is. What, what's the percentage on that? It's it's most of the time, 90% there. More. Um, it, you would have missed out a, of returns of about 1,000%. Right. Which to me leads to all of that's a lot of information. To me, it's a psychological play that is in the mind of people right now. Hey – it was at 6,000, the Dow, you know, way back when Obama started. Right. <laughs> it is now, you know, wherever it is when you're listening right now, as of us doing this show, it's, I didn't look at today's returns, but the Dow I know is, uh, where, how it was today? I'm going to guess it's somewhere in the 19,800 range today well, 800 to see. 900 19,808 19,808 right as we can't quite crack so that 20,000 <laughs> and maybe i should just now sit on the sidelines till it goes down again and then come back because this has to end and part of part of the psychology that helps that thought process is looking at pe ratios but as you just took from Barry, and Barry gave us information, maybe not the right idea is to start thinking that you know more or start to guess, basically. No matter how long a bull or bear market lasts, you don't really know. We don't really know when it's going to end. No, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, with stocks, we always have to take that long-term perspective. And the, the last point that he makes, which I think is a really good one, because most people spend a lot of their time and energy talking about the stock market, talking about historical PE ratios and you know junk that I was just talking about, but they don't spend a whole lot of time talking about bonds and rising rates in terms of how you need to take perspective. Because certainly there's been articles about, well, interest rates are going to rise and that's bad for bonds. But whenever we're talking about looking at the big picture, let's gain some historical perspective. People usually go to stock market examples. But he goes through a, a really nice example here that shows us what happened the last time interest rates went up quite a bit. All right? Let's take a look. Interest rates in 1941. 
Remember what was going on in 1941? Yeah, World War II. <laughs> Correct. Um, interest rates were at 2% that year. And this is for the 10-year treasury. And in 1981, they were up at 15%. Right. So where do we stand today for the 10-year? I mean, I think it's around 2.5%, somewhere in that range there. Let's see, 2.44 right now. So, wow. and of course, we might been, have a rising interest rate environment till I'm 96. But it's once certain. I'm 96, well, <laughs> once you're 96, you're not going to care that much. <laughs> um, so, you know, we've been through a rising interest rate environment before, and who knows if it's going to take us till Dave is 96 or Dave is 76 or whatever. Um, you know, maybe it's 40 years, maybe it's 20 years. But, you know, we can feel safe that it's probably going to be a decade plus. I mean, we're probably going to have a... That's not a bad way to predict interest right. rates, certainly. So take this time period where you had a 41-year increase in interest rates. So you had this constant headwind there. The worst year in bonds, 1969. You know, I don't know what was going on 1969. The historians out there probably point to it something. It was a tumultuous year. Oh, okay. I don't remember it. I was seven. <laughs> you were you were I not even a thought 10. in anybody's head right. yet. Um, it, during the worst year, losses in bonds, negative 5% that year. Um, the second worst year, 1980, a loss of 3%. Right. So it just kind of puts it in perspective that a, a lot of people, and I don't know what bond returns were, they averaged uh, during that time period 4.4%. Um, so, you know, a lot of people will say, well, gosh, how can you be in bonds when interest rates are going up? I think that's a great example of how they still serve a place in your portfolio. Right. We, we know Although I also find up. that oversimplified when we work with clients, and I know this is more your realm than mine, we're looking at what types of bonds and what type of bond funds and things like that do better in rising interest rate oh, environments. Yeah. So that's going to be a big part of Believe how me, we're going to put that together. And we've been doing that for a while now. Believe so. me, I don't think I would want to be positioning myself in long-term government bonds right now. Um, there are certainly, you're right, it's a good point. There are better places and worse places to be. But I also don't think you can just throw out a whole asset class just because interest rates are low. So, all right, as usual, I'm going to post the link to this article right down here below the podcast. So you can click on it, read more if you like. And we will see you back here next week. <laughs>